Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for being with us, letting us be part of your day as we kick off a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. It was wet in a lot of places. A lot of rain moved across the country. We'll be talking about that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Is it going to be a little drier this week, hopefully? And, uh, wow, how much rain did some places get? A lot. And will farmers be looking at replant in some of those areas while others are just waiting to, to finish up planting or in some places maybe even get started? So uh, it's a mixed bag and some severe weather in parts of the country. Lots to talk about with Bryce Anderson today. We're going to talk with Jonathan Coppas, assistant professor at the University of Illinois, get his thoughts on the impact of COVID-19 on the ag economy and look at efforts to rebound from that and how farmers are dealing with this. And we'll get a planting update from Ohio. Cy Prettyman will join us. He farms just north of Columbus. We'll see how much he has done so far. That's coming up on today's program. But we're always glad to start the week off with Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, good to talk with you. We're all kind of waiting to see what the USDA announces on this uh, program for direct assistance. We should know soon, right? That's right. Good morning, Mike. Always nice to be with you. We are uh, watching closely to see efforts out of the White House and USDA to roll out the next round of assistance. Uh, What we are hoping is a a clearer understanding of how they're going to spend that $16 billion. And uh, it looks like the president is meeting with restaurant industry leaders today, but tomorrow he's talking about a meeting in which he will discuss supporting farmers, ranchers, and the food supply chain. So it looks like it could be a big announcement on Tuesday if they follow through on that. Yeah, a lot of interest there. And we'll be watching closely to see what they do with the payment limits. Yes, there sounds like there will be an increase, but we don't know at what level. And as you know, Mike, there was a call last week to encourage farmers to start to fill out forms. But again, no details have been provided. So it's a lot of hurry up and wait right now. I know for many producers, we wanted to have this sooner than even this week because they're in so much financial pain. But um, the, at least if we can get some details out there and find out what the payments are going to look like, that will be helpful not only to producers but to the lenders who they need to have those tough conversations with. And how quickly will the money actually get to producers? Even if we get the announcement, say, tomorrow, There's how quickly can they start getting it out? Well, as you know, um, there's a lot of electronic activity that um, – converts those payments to producers' accounts. And so for those who have already been eligible for payments in the past, I think the money can move pretty quickly. But what is expected is that there will be payments, you know, for the livestock industry and for certainly cattle producers, um, pork producers. And so those folks that have not been um, eligible for payments in the past, it may take a while. And so that's, that's, you know, again, another one of those big questions that it'll be interesting to see how they roll out these details. Yep. So we wait for those details and uh, we'll be getting reaction when that time comes. Meanwhile, as expected, the House passed what they're calling the the HEROES Act. Obviously, it's not going to make it through the, 
the Senate and certainly would not get uh, through the White House. So changes will be made. Got two questions here. How, how long do the uh, uh, the Senate Republicans want to wait before they put something together? And then two, how much of what's in this Heroes Act makes it to that final bill? Yeah, so there's a lot in this Heroes Act that is uh, you know just dead on arrival in the Senate, including some of the things that are not COVID nineteen related. But there is a strong list of provision for agriculture. And as we talked to Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas in our Washington Week in Review on Friday, he said, you know, it's a pretty good start for what we could look at, including another $16.5 billion for farmers, um, or some provisions for ethanol, more for dairy. Uh, there's a There's a pretty good list of things that will likely be considered very favorably in terms of what can be done for farmers and ranchers. Uh, It's just the rest of the provisions that, as I mentioned, are not COVID-19 direct. And I think that the Senate is going to take their time. I mean, they're going to be looking at this this week, and then Memorial Day is coming up. Uh, So we'll have that holiday. And so I don't think you're going to see any action uh, within the next week or two. Meanwhile, some signs, small steps that we're seeing a little rebound in uh, people getting out and moving around and driving. Uh, so that gives a little more hope to the to the ethanol industry, although they still need the assistance that you just talked about in this package. But uh, we're starting to see that fuel demand start to pick up a little bit. Yes, prices even here locally, I've noticed, have been up almost 40 cents uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, that means the demand is increasing. Uh, We're looking at 56 of the 204 ethanol plants in this country running at full capacity as of Friday. 81 are at a reduced rate. And uh, so they're they're starting to come back online. So that's good news, not only for those workers, uh, the farmers who feed those plants, and also for those rural communities. Some of them want to still make hand sanitizer, and I guess the Food and Drug Administration has not been entirely helpful and clear mm-hmm. with how they're moving forward with regulations, and so that remains an issue. Which is very frustrating. Obviously, there's a huge demand for that product, and here you have plants uh, able to provide uh, you know the material for it, the products that are needed, and you got to fight through the bureaucratic red tape. Yeah, you know, and this is the time where we need to be really clearing the way for some of those regulations, even if it's like Canada has done on a temporary basis. Let's make it possible for those folks to go back to work. And that hasn't seemed to happen here at this level yet. And, of course, we keep watching the the meatpacking situation. Plants open, not all at full strength or at the same speed they were, uh, and just this huge backlog of animals to work through. Yes, there's still going to be a lot of, of animals euthanized, unfortunately, especially for the, some of these pork producers. But there's also a lot of concern still about the workers coming back. Uh, you might have seen, Mike, that we wrote about a letter from Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow from the Senate Ag Committee to Secretary Purdue, along with 29 other senators, saying that they want to have comprehensive testing for any of those workers to go back into the plants and that was not mandated in the federal guidance and so um, there's still a lot of concerns about if the plants have done everything they possibly can to make sure the workers feel safe going back so 
I need to stay tuned and keep watching that aspect as well. Yeah, a lot to watch for this week. And uh, right at the top of that list, we'll be watching what uh, the White House and USDA announces on on this assistance plan. All right. As always, Sarah, thank you very much, and we'll talk next week. Thank you, Mike. Take care. You too. Sarah Wyant, editor, president of AgriPulse Communications. Lots of weather news to talk about with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. We're going to dry out some this week after the uh, heavy rains over the weekend in many parts of the country. We'll talk about it next on AOA. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices. But they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, a lot of rain over a lot of the country this weekend. Quite a bit of the Midwest had some uh, very heavy rainfall, Mike. There's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, Amounts of anywhere from an inch and a half to three inches hit quite a bit of the central uh, Midwest, and then we're seeing that rainfall move into the eastern Midwest today. Uh, there was uh, some flooding. We know that uh, Chicago has had uh, quite a few neighborhoods flooded. There were some uh, very high production areas in north central and central Illinois that got flooded, and there's uh, that uh, flooding rain now moving into Indiana and Michigan and Ohio, and it's uh, likely to... Uh, you know, cause the uh, cause uh, a lot of concern in some areas of those states as well. Parts of northern Kentucky uh, got hit. So basically, the uh, you know the eastern half of the Corn Belt uh, got slammed pretty hard. I should mention that uh, the rainfall amounts that I was looking at uh, early this morning uh, for uh, much of Iowa uh, showed uh, moderate to locally heavy rain, but not the real flooding rainfall. So there was uh, a pretty high production area of the western Corn Belt that received uh, overall beneficial rainfall from this past weekend's uh, weather system. Uh, so there there was uh, some benefit. We know that there was also uh, some real uh, problems that developed. And, you know, going forward for those growers, uh, there's the question about replanting and maybe even actual acreage loss, uh, depending on on how things uh, actually uh, transpire from here on. But it was a very heavy uh, rainfall event that, like I say, still isn't over. Yeah, some big decisions coming up for some farmers. Uh, What about this week? Do we dry out some? Well, just a little bit. Actually, it's uh, still a pretty active weather pattern that we've got coming up because uh, there's a, a pretty uh, intense uh, storm system out in the west coast that's going to uh, make its way across uh, the Rockies and move into the plains during the balance of this week. And uh, along with that, the, the trough that is leading to all the uh, rainfall that we're getting in the Midwest uh, is uh, still 
uh, not uh, wanting to uh, move away very quickly. It's a, a pretty slow-moving feature. And so for this week, uh, there will be the uh, uh, just a couple, three days where there is a little bit of a drier trend, but then we're going to have late-week rainfall redevelop, and uh, we could see quite a bit of the Midwest have anywhere from a half to a one-and-a-half-inch rainfall uh, develop again during the next seven days. And uh, in uh, an area from uh, southern Ohio, southwestern Ohio, across the Ohio River into eastern Kentucky and then through Tennessee into North Carolina, we could see rainfall of anywhere from three to six or more inches. And uh, that's going to obviously be a very heavy rainfall event. Uh, so it's not, um, you know, it's not a completely uh, benign pattern at all. And then that rain uh, that we get over the Midwest is also going to be shared by the Northern Plains and even into the northwestern part of the country. So uh, these wet areas of the Northern Plains that have had some extensive planting delays are still going to be challenged uh, with this kind of a pattern. Well, some of the promise then of those big planting progress numbers of last week, and we'll see what today's brings, uh, some of that uh, early optimism sounds like it's getting dampened. It it is getting tempered a little bit. Um, I mean, you know, you think about uh, soil moisture, there's obviously that part of things, but considering that there was such a, a high, uh, a high moisture, a high content soil profile going into this spring, we knew that it wouldn't take very much rain to uh, bring on the threat of flooding and uh, ponding out, and uh, that's what we're getting. So I think that we are seeing uh, some tempering of uh, that enthusiasm. There's there's no question about it, and uh, and you know we're late enough in the season that uh, there, like I say, uh, are some questions about replanting and uh, possible acreage loss. And then with, um, you know, with the overall market scenario, the way that it's looking, I, I think that that adds to the questions. And so it, it really is uh, a, a, pretty, uh, a pretty challenging uh, overall scenario that this rain has uh, brought to the party uh, for uh, quite a few areas. We are talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. What about temperatures this week ahead, Bryce? Well, temperatures are finally going to start showing some moderation over parts of the Midwest. But uh, this chilly pattern that, uh, you know, that helped to drive a lot of the storm uh, development that we've seen is still going to be around, particularly from, uh, let's say, about Indianapolis, Indiana, southeast to the Carolinas. And uh, that's going to uh, still be an area of the uh, country that has temperatures in that uh, 5 to 10 degree below average, even 15 degree below average uh, conditions. Now, in contrast, uh, the, the plains are, are uh, going to be warm today. Uh, part of the western Midwest will have a warming trend. We could see temperatures hit 100 plus down in west Texas where it still is quite dry. And even the Canadian prairies, uh, the northwestern plains, they're going to see temperatures in the 70s and maybe even bumping the 80s today. Uh, so there's a real contrast uh, between warm and chilly when you look across a lot of the crop country. Then we have some tropical storm activity. How does that impact the weather patterns? 
Well, I think Tropical Storm Arthur is uh, helping to drag some moisture into uh, the Carolinas and maybe helping to uh, fuel some of the rain potential that uh, they have in that interior mid-south region over the next several days. Uh, it does not appear that Arthur um, has caused a, a great deal of, uh, of impact in terms of uh, strong winds in the major crop areas, but with that uh, storm still kind of spinning around, uh, the potential for rainfall is, of course, quite high. And uh, it's going to be kind of a slow uh, feature to uh, completely leave uh, the mainland U.S. in terms of its impact. It doesn't look like we're going to see it actually make landfall, but it still is going to be a presence off the coast for another couple days. All right, let's take a look at South America. What's going on there weather-wise? A real mixed uh, round of rainfall for Brazil this week. Mato Grosso, Goiás are going to have only light rains. I don't know how they're going to get along when it comes to crop moisture uh, for their safrinha corn crop. And uh, southern Brazil, from Paraná south, will have uh, heavy rains. So there may be some benefit for that second corn crop in Paraná and in Mato Grosso do Sul. And uh, farther to the south, Argentina may pick up some rainfall, but I don't think they're going to have enough to uh, recharge uh, some of the river systems. The uh, Paraná River in particular has been uh, very low in its uh, water level, and that's led to some uh, cutbacks in how heavy the uh, river transport uh, loads can be, and it's actually hurt the Argentina export effort because of that. Russia and Europe? A little bit of a, uh, of a variable situation. Parts of the Black Sea region, Ukraine and, and uh, Western Russia, will have some showers this week. Uh, there is a, a drier trend in uh, Siberia, which is uh, more of a, uh, a new land sweet region. And then in Europe, we'll see some light rains. There's a little bit of concern about some dryness in parts of southeastern Europe, but not a great deal at this point. Uh, I think that the uh, the crop moisture supply in Europe and in the Black Sea region is uh, adequate at this point, especially uh, quite a bit improved from uh, how dry it had been earlier in the springtime uh, for, uh, for both the wheat crop and for row crops in uh, those various parts of the world. And finally, Bryce, uh, we talked about uh, the weather for here in the U.S. this week ahead. What about your longer range forecast end of May into June? Well, I think that uh, we're looking at a pretty seasonal round of uh, temperatures over most of the Midwest. The plains could have uh, an above-normal trend, and that is uh, going to be kind of reflective of uh, a very warm and drier pattern out of the southwestern U.S., making its way farther eastward into the uh, southwestern plains especially. And uh, precipitation is still looking uh, pretty seasonal to maybe even above-normal in uh, the northern Midwest especially, and then uh, seasonal over the balance of the Midwest. Uh, at this point, uh, June does not look like a real stressful month over the central part of the country, uh, but I, I do think that we're going to see a drier trend and warmer conditions from the southwestern plains on west. And uh, the western part of the U.S. is looking quite dry as we go through the summer. All right, Bryce, very good. Thanks for the update. We'll talk again next week. Great to talk to you, Mike. Thanks. Take care. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Up next, we'll talk about the ag economy with Jonathan Kappas from the University of Illinois here on AOA. 
Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, as we wait to get the details on the uh, assistance program for producers, again, expecting the president perhaps to talk about it tomorrow and then some details coming out. Uh, We'll wait to see about what they do with payment limits and things like that. So a lot uh, still could happen this week. But in the meantime, let's get an assessment of where we're at with the ag economy. Joining us now is Jonathan Coppas, Assistant Professor, Ag and Consumer Economics at the University of Illinois. Jonathan, good to talk with you again. Hope you're well. Good morning, Mike. I'm doing all right. How how are you doing? Very good. Uh, You know, When we look at the ag economy, we have to go back and remember, even though there was a lot of optimism at the beginning of the year that it was going to rebound or turn around, it reminds us that the ag economy was already hurting in many ways going into the pandemic. Unlike the general economy, which had so much positive momentum, the ag economy was already struggling. So now with this on top of it, what what's your assessment of where we're at with the ag economy? Well, we're in, I mean, we're clearly in really tough shape. Uh, as you said, we were, uh, the ag economy was staggering uh, before this from, from lower prices. Uh, and then the, the next hit was the, the trade tariff battles, particularly with China and soybeans. And then we had the really rough spring last year uh, where people were trying to get in and could hardly get planted in a lot of areas. And I don't know how, how your weekend weather looked, but we got a whole bunch of rain again this yes. weekend here. So we're looking at another wet, wet spring uh, already in late May, mid-May. So the ag economy is, had struggled. And then, like you said, this, this pandemic has just really upended things even further. We look at last year, and MFP payments helped a lot of producers get through last year. Do we think... Uh, there's enough government assistance coming as we wait for details uh, probably this week on more, but is it going to take more government assistance to get farmers and ranchers through this year? Yeah, well, I think we are, like you said, we're waiting on an announcement of what we think to be about $3.9 billion in additional payments. Most of what we're looking at, and uh, with Gary Schnicky and Nick Paulson, we've been trying to figure out what this might look like. Um, we expect, you know, a pretty significant amount of federal assistance going out to the farmers that will help. You know, one of the things we're concerned about is this sort of almost like a sugar high that you get too much uh, in, in payments and it, it doesn't allow for the adjustments like around cash rent and some other things. And so there's a, there's a tough, there's a really tough balance there. And I think there's, there's a lot of uh, wisdom and maybe even just sort of waiting to see kind of how the economy responds, what the planting season looks like, what the growing season looks like. You know, we usually kind of follow up with payments and not not try to get ahead of things with payments. So many factors here. Of course, the big one is getting the economy back open and going. I mean, we're, we're seeing signs of that happening slowly, and it looks like in many cases uh, it's just going to happen without the okay to happen. It's just going to go ahead and, and start going. But it's going to take time, obviously. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, I sort of you wake up in the morning and kind of, uh, you know, grasp for optimism. And I, you know, like all of us, I sincerely hope we can, we can get through this, that we've held down this curve enough. But I'm also, you know, I'm concerned that we don't have, like everybody, we don't have bounce back, that, that all this effort doesn't go to waste because somebody messes up or, or it just, it's a virus that we can't really control. And so there's a, there's this, you know, we're reaching for optimism, but I, but I think that we still have a long way to, to go before we're out of this, this woods. Talking with Jonathan Coppas from the University of Illinois. So, Jonathan, a lot of focus on on the meat packing industry and what's going on there. I mean, higher prices for consumers, packers making more, but uh, the producer not seeing higher prices. This is a real issue that is really hit hard in agriculture. Yeah, I, I mean, it is just it's heart wrenching these stories of what some of these producers are having to go through with with euthanizing animals. Um, it's frustrating to know that it, it, on one end we've got farmers that have to to kill animals, and on the other end we've got people waiting in massive food lines to get food. And it's one of those things where you know we're in an un, I know it's an unprecedented matter, but there's there's frustration about how we've responded, how USDA has been stepping in or not stepping in enough and trying to get, you know, some of these things uh, bridged or fixed. And I, you know, you come back to this and, and we're in a crisis, you kind of think of triage and triage efforts. And really this first level should have been just an overwhelming focus on the supply chain, on food production, food distribution, food, the needs of people out of jobs and kids that need to eat, and really focusing in on that. These meat packing plants, then on top of it, again, is another one of these things that, knowing the situation in many of those places, that uh, a little bit of foresight, a little bit of, uh, of trying to reasonably see what might be coming, maybe could have helped and it's it, it just is a frustrating stretch right now yeah i think that's an area uh, i think two areas the packing plants and nursing homes i think when this is over and we're looking back lessons to be learned we probably didn't focus enough on the most vulnerable areas it seems like the focus was shutting out everything else down and we kind of missed on some of those areas that uh, were the greatest risk well, I think that's right. I think, you know, this is one of those things where, again, you, you can't expect it. But we did have, uh, we had a running head start, if you will, knowing how this thing was unfolding in China and then in Europe and places that um, I think you're right. You know, you never want to sort of get stuck in where hindsight's 2020. But at the same time, you need to learn lessons from things like this, and particularly if this thing might bounce back. And if we got to deal with this again in the fall or the winter, we, I'm hoping that they're putting their plans in place and we're learning some lessons out of this to say, here are the things we got to stage this up. We got to work through this because this is, uh, this is just, it's tough beyond tough. I mean, the, I, I can't, I, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's just a gut punch that some of these farmers have to go through uh, euthanizing animals and, you know, the hunger and the need that's out there. So looking forward, do you see, I think there are going to be a lot of changes in a lot of business models and, and systems. Do you see big changes coming in the in, in agriculture, in uh, the food supply chain and things like that? You know, Mike, I think that's, that is a great and that is a big and fundamentally important question. 
I don't know. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing we need to be having a very open and very honest and sometimes, you know, a tough conversation about. We have a concentration in these industries. We have just a few plants that are responsible for such large production. How is it that we that we manage if these things, uh, like if this one comes back or we see another one in the future? And, you know, again, the, the struggles that some of the workers go through, uh, you know, the, the, the way the, these things can turn into a hot spot, the need for the, the kind of protective measures that, that people have. And, you know, it isn't just about opening a plant or forcing a plant open. We're talking about people's lives, their health, the health of their families and the people around them in the communities. And so I, I would hope that, you know, you come through this kind of crisis that it does really push people to think and think more forward ahead more more thoroughly about what what these things should look like and how we might make adjustments to be more resilient and more responsive should we run into another problem really hard not knowing what government assistance is going to be completely hard to project farm income this year isn't it? i think back the usda USDA Outlook Conference earlier this year seems like a million years ago, and so much of what was projected really out the window because of what we're going through. Yeah, no, that's right. We we are in a, a realm of uncertainty here, right, that we just do not know. Um, like I said, we're sitting here watching it rain a lot, and, and that's going to impact planting season again. We don't know where the Chinese market's going to go, what the international market's going to look like. So there is just a massive amount of uncertainty. And, you know, I, I think we're struggling to try to put together what that budget scenario looks like. Maybe this year, uh, a lot of this, if we figure in payments and, 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 and the assistance is likely to come out, there's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be, from the crop farmer standpoint, the row crop guys are probably going to are, are be okay, or at least relatively speaking, right? I mean, it's, it's all relative almost at this point. But we're really also looking at 2021 and down the road. If we have an oversupply situation and further depressed prices, if we've got cash rents that are held up around payments and we're not making the adjustments around that, there's a there's a concern uh, about what that means uh, in the midterm as well. So there's a lot a lot of uncertainty, a lot to be working through. And of course, uh, you know, farmers got a lot to do right now this time of year anyway, trying to get in and get planted. So it's it's. Uh, it's another tough spring, I guess, is one way to think about it. Yeah, you look at last year, it was a tale of two stories. I mean, uh, on the ag economy, without MFP payments and with MFP payments, two different stories. could be the same this year, government assistance or not government assistance. If you didn't have it or or how much do you get makes the difference in how the year turns out probably for many. No, I think that's absolutely right. That those payments are going to make a big difference, um, and they have made a big difference. And the the challenge then is, you know, how to make sure that the payments are fair, are as tailored to losses as possible, and making sure that uh, we're thinking about not just 2020 and not just getting through the next couple of months, but really what it means to manage into 2021 and 2022, uh, because those could be some challenging years as well. As we've seen far too often, uh, these farm economic uh, issues are not short-run. They will last many seasons. That's right. So these details are very important that they're being worked on. Jonathan, good to talk with you. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Jonathan Kappas, Assistant Professor, Ag and Consumer Economics, University of Illinois. 
Well, we'll get a planting update next from the state of Ohio. How much does that area have done and what? how much rain did they get or will get this week? We'll talk about it next on AOA. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Network. For farm and ranch information you can depend on and the sources you can trust. Adams on Agriculture and the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we continue looking at planting uh, conditions across the country. Today, we focus on the state of Ohio. And joining us from Cy, from north of Columbus is Cy Prettyman. Cy, thank you for joining us. Uh, well, did you get the, the rains over the weekend, or are they still headed your way? It looks like the heaviest of the rains are still headed our way. It's been stuck over Indiana. Uh, looks like, unfortunately for them, for the last 24 hours or so, um, We've gotten some light range. This depends on where you are. Uh, I was just out taking a quick tour of uh, seeing what, what things look like and get a half a mile east and a half a mile south from me, and they're wetter than I am right at, right at my home place. So it's been very spotty. Um, I got some light rains. I was able to get some planting done yesterday, so I've been in the field getting planting uh, personally four or five days here in the last week that I've got some done, some stuff done. So uh, approximately halfway through corn and almost halfway through the beans. So Got a good start, um, but uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. So you you, as you said, halfway through, did you get a slower start than you thought? Did you kind of caught up here lately, or how's it gone? It's uh, it just kind of depend. Uh, we had some guys that went really early there. I'll say around the twentieth of April. Uh, a lot of beans got planted in that window. Uh, I just didn't quite have ground that was quite fit to go at that point. Now, there was two or three days in there, guys ran. And those beans are just emerging, so they've been in the ground three weeks or a little better now, and they're just starting to starting to come through. Um, and then we've stayed pretty cold. We're on the on the uh, east side of that the jet stream there, and we stayed cold. We had snow even last week, uh, some spotty snow around the state. So northeast Ohio, I think they're off to a slow start up in there. Uh, I talked to a guy this morning. He said he was basically getting fit yesterday there he was just starting to pull the trigger on getting some stuff going uh i talked to some guys in the south uh southern southwestern part of the state far south now along the river they had been wet uh, most of the spring and i don't know if they got started there some last week or not uh in our area it's a mixed bag of guys that have pushed along pretty good um and are you know on the back half of getting finished up and we've got guys that are just getting getting started here in the last week or so. In Northwest Ohio, which was really wet last year, uh, they stayed dry and they have planted through even through some of those colder, uh, some of that cold weather. And I think of some of those guys have gotten finished up up there in the far northwest, which last year they didn't get the opportunity at all to plant. So I guess that's good for them. Yeah, mixed bag throughout the state of Ohio. We're yeah. talking with Ohio farmer Cy Prettyman. Cy, where are you compared to a year ago? I hadn't started planting a year ago, so I planted my first corn on uh, the Friday before Memorial Day last year, and my first beans, uh, I think, the eighth day of June last year. So, um, so I'm I'm a lot better than I was last year. Our soil conditions are excellent. Everything that went in just is going in perfectly. Um, we're much drier, so 
Um, last year where we couldn't stand any rain, at least, you know, if we get a little rain now, it's, um, you know, it soaks in, we're not ponding and, and having all the issues we did last year. But this front that's coming through looks like it, it could give us a one to two inch or maybe more in some area uh, uh, soaking. So that'll slow things down for a little while. Yeah, if you get what we had here in Illinois over the weekend, it, it'll really slow you down for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when when you look at how things have gone this year with the pandemic and everything that's going on, have you had any trouble as far as getting what you needed and, you know, service and things like that? Everything's been good. A lot of the, the co-ops and dealers here in the area, you know, they, they shut down, even pulled some people off there early on during the pandemic just to make sure they kept everybody healthy as they came into the spring. Uh, so far, we haven't had any issues. Uh, they've been able to pull staff back in and get up and rolling and, and keep us supplied. Um, you know, we were able to get our seed in timely, had all that on hand. And then as far as uh, and then getting out and getting spraying done, they were a little slow just because of some of the weather. They didn't have a lot of uh, opportunities early on, like getting wheat top dressed and, and getting some burn down and stuff done. But they've they've caught back up, and I think most of them are, are doing well. So knock on wood, we haven't had a big... Uh, explosion at any of those dealers uh, as far as any sickness and those kind of things and uh, hopefully we can keep it that way and i've just kept any extra guys that i bring in for spring help uh, part-time guys or anything like that i've just held off and just brought them in you know right when we were ready to roll and uh, and knock on wood we're it's easy to social distance we're in our own own separate tractors on different sides of the field so so did you have many prevent plant acres in your area last year? And if so, are those coming back into production? Yeah, we had a significant amount last year. I had personally about 500 acres or so that I had that was PP'd last year. Um, and in those, that ground, I've got some of that planted. Um, you know, we put some cover crops on last year. So a lot of cover crops in the area and a lot of guys that have no-tilled into some of those cover crops as I look around the area as I travel around. Um, so, yes, I would say a lot of those acres are coming back online this year, and, and a lot of them have gotten planted already, so that's a good sign. So more cover crops this year in your area than you've seen in the past? There was uh, coming out of 2019, definitely more cover crops um, than we'd seen. And some guys that even there in the fall that you know, went ahead, a lot of that was summer, stuff that went in there late in the summer, early fall, um, stuff that didn't get planted last spring that had cover crops on it. And then, of course, the traditional cover crop guys that were putting their normal cover crops down in, in the fall. But definitely as you go throughout Ohio, those are stepping up. And under our current plan with the governor that he's been working with us on, on uh, a plan to help with water quality up in especially that northwestern part of the state, there's 14 counties up there they did a new program with. And uh, they cut back on some of the dollars just because of this pandemic, um, and we're cutting the budgets hard here in the state. But there's going to be, I think, $50 million going up into that part of the state to to help with uh, new practices and cover crops and those sorts of things. Well, all right, Cy, good to talk with you. Glad you've got as much done as you have, about halfway done. And uh, maybe you'll get a break on these rains headed your way. We hope so, and good luck with the rest of the, the planning. All right, thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Cy. Go Bucks. Cy Prettyman, farmer just north of Columbus, Ohio. Well, that wraps it up for today. Tomorrow we'll take a look at the signs of the rebound, perhaps, for the ethanol industry as people are starting to get out and driving a little more. We'll talk about the state of the ethanol industry and what they're hoping for in this assistance package. Meanwhile, we'll hopefully maybe get closer to some details on the uh, USDA assistance package we're expecting this week. All that coming up tomorrow. 
Join us here on AOA.